It's a Wednesday edition. What are the odds? And I want you to hear from Zion as we get things going right from the jump because this is where we're going to dive. And look, I already lost two points debating this. Already lost it. Sean got in. Smart man. Twelve and a half as he exits the studio in way to some money that he's going to be stacking in his in his palms at the end of this damn thing. For me, hopefully, because I already lost two points. I got in at fourteen and a half. We'll open it up with our top three of the big board. Matt Peralt will join us. It's a busy show, but this is what we'll all be betting on. I know the people of New Orleans are going to show a lot of love because that's what they do. But from the outside people, um, all I can do is just invite the love. If they want to bring it, then bring it. That's right. What are the odds? Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions. Answer the question. We don't care if you win or lose the game. I don't care. Just cover the spread. Now here's Aton Shander. Well, yes. And you heard from Zion, right? And I'll tell you, 13 and a half seem to be that middle point. 14 and a half now seems to be where the consensus is across the board. So if you're waiting for it to get any higher just to hit the under, I don't know if that might be the best strategy tonight. Now there's a lot of value and a lot of things happening in the NBA. As you heard from Sean on the Daily Ticket just before I got on, not a ton in the world of college right now outside of maybe a few games that should pop out. But when it comes to the NBA, it's going to dominate our top three, not only from an individual standpoint, but also from a team standpoint. And I think you can look at some bottom feeders tonight and find some pretty good value. At Shander shows how you get me on Twitter. And Matt Peralt at 7 o'clock will give us some insight on how things are moving out in Vegas with not only the game itself, but some props as he's been following a couple of bizarre ones right down to the typical stable ones you get on a weekly basis. As far as Zion Williamson and the return, and I understand that we've been waiting too long for this thing to happen and it's not like with Ben Simmons where you knew you weren't going to get him for the year and you kind of came to grips with that and then when he gets hurt it's like all right well forget it at that point in this case with Zion specifically you have a tremendous amount of value on a team that granted is going nowhere in the standings has been able to provide a nice little landing spot for Zion to come in healthy, has been able to provide a nice little cushion, if you will, for Zion Williamson to make his season debut. And he's not going to be asked to score 25 points, 28 points. This is not take over the game and everybody just back out. But a healthy Zion Williamson, a lot of us forget because he got hurt, the shoe blew up at Duke and then comes into New Orleans and you don't get much at all, right, because of the preseason. I think a lot of us forget just how talented this kid is and how geared he is for the NBA. Those two things are not always inclusive when you have a young talent drafted out of college, even if the kid plays six or seven games in college like Kyrie Irving or is there for four years. 
you still have a difficult time in pro sports, and the NBA is right there at the top of this list, meshing the talent level that you see on tape, on film, at games, and the ability to mesh and really play the game at this type of level. Zion Williamson meets that. There's no issue, I think, or concern about that from a healthy Zion Williamson. So the team itself, now you start to look at what's around him. And the Pelicans are not all of a sudden going to turn things around. This is not a team that is going to make some amazing push to the postseason. But they're going to milk the hell out of this game tonight. They are. And that's why it's on ESPN. And speaking of which, that's not even the game with the most value. It's the game following that that tips off a half hour later with the god-awful Warriors hosting the Jazz, who are flirting with a double-digit line. But before we even get to that top three bets and anything, the return of Zion Williamson, enough to knock off even Eli Manning's retirement. Imagine that. And yes, I did hear Sean Brace make a rather compelling case about Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not here to argue anything along those lines. But what I will say is, first ballot can wait for a guy who has a ton of interceptions never a league MVP did win a Super Bowl with a lot of things going on around him and look nobody comes in and just dominates even Joe Flacco that stretch that eventually created and coined the question is Joe Flacco elite even that stretch nobody does it alone this isn't oh man a guy dropped 45 points per game in a stretch of two or three playoff rounds and that's why they won it it doesn't work that way so don't expect something unrealistic and then when it doesn't happen you hold that person or that entity accountable that doesn't make sense but Eli Manning what does make sense is holding out a little bit Say, ah, first ballot. I, I don't think so. Based on the fact that you struggled way more than you dominated. And that begs the question about domination in the postseason. And yes, in fact, a playoff run or two we saw end in a Super Bowl. But where was that domination consistently? And why were there years in which you were the worst when it came to leading the league in interceptions? No matter the sport, no matter the season, we've got you covered. From the data to the drama, it all factors into our top three bets of the night. All right, so one thing to look at right away, of course, Zion Williamson. And we know that he's going to be given a ton of opportunity tonight. You can look around at this team itself and Brandon Ingram on the wing has developed into a very legit threat now to put up 25-28 a night. What you're seeing from Brandon Ingram, sustainable this year, it's not going to go away. Spurs, they come into this game as a four-point dog. Now, we talked about them the other night, Monday night. It's a little different here because you have the Zion factor. You have the brand-new unseen, never-before, unwrapped gift of Zion Williamson on the floor. The pacing of Zion... Just think about who Zion Williamson is as a player and why that would factor in, even at 14.5 where I'm at, is still a comfortable bet. And we're talking over here. 
If you want to wait for this thing to get any higher, I don't know, 9.30 Eastern, it's 6.14 right here in Philadelphia. I don't know how much more you're going to get on this thing, but for Zion Williamson, it's already jumped two points. So, yes, I took the over because I didn't want to lose any more. It's not to say that I'm not confident. It's just a value play. Let's be fair. If you know that the kid's going to score 17 to 19 points, why risk it and wait until it gets to 17? I'm not watching this thing continue to increase. I'm not letting it go to 15 or even 16 and then coming on here and just blasting into a microphone like normal and expecting to lose a bet. In this case, I think I, there's pretty good value here, even at 14.5. The steal is 12.5. So what's working against him? There's really one thing that's truly working against Zion Williamson tonight, and that's a minutes restriction coming back off injury. We know that he's cleared. We know that Zion is healthy enough to get out there and play, but how many minutes is he truly going to get? Well, that's also a flow thing, and not everything is handled like Joel Embiid's injury return here in Philadelphia where he's out after five minutes of every quarter, and it's just some ridiculous circle of play to sit, to feel, to play again. In this case... A home game on national television. Zion Williamson ain't just going to get pulled for no reason. Zion Williamson, if the kid comes out and starts off hot, if J.J. Redick can open some things up for him in the lane, if you truly see Brandon Ingram now, if it's putting the ball on the floor and opening it up, or his ability to shoot as well, whatever the case is, Look, Drew Holiday has established himself as, and again, this team is garbage. I know that. And I'm not saying like the team itself has anything going on. But Holiday himself, outside of the team, of course, you've got three good talents around him. Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, J.J. Redick around Zion. Even if these guys have an off night, the pacing of getting Zion involved would dictate that the game would move faster. You'd see more shots. You'd see more opportunities for offensive rebounds. You'd see a cleaner lane here. Because Williamson has the athletic ability to stay down there at the block. He could also, we'll see, of course, but should be able to put the ball on the floor. 14.5 points where you've got two guys shooting around you on the perimeter. Another guy who is, yes, the point guard, but has no problem taking shots as well. I would even look at Zion's offensive rebounds if you want to truly narrow some scope down, depending on how often you'll see him out there with the starters. But don't expect Zion Williamson, this to be some sort of John Morant clear-out situation where it's just hand Zion the ball for 30 minutes and see what happens. And hopefully, somebody like Brandon Ingram can scoop in 20, 22 points. Drew Holiday isn't turning the ball over, and eventually you have something. Now, this is huge. It's a big night tonight in the NBA. And there's a reason why we start with this, specifically this particular prop. And the only reason why I believe it's so low is the perceived, and that's key here, minutes restriction. But you watch. New Orleans does not have much to be happy about. 
We already know how things ended for their football team. In this case, who in their right mind with this organization is going to say, well, if Zion goes off and starts killing people from the jump and all of a sudden has nine, ten points, four or five minutes to go in the second quarter, and he's already sat like a normal starter has, why would you continue to sit him? Put him back in the game. Those type of moments, not when you initially pull him, but when you put him back in the game, the first time you put him back in the game. That's where the minutes restriction, a lot of people don't look at that, but that's really where it happens. That's where the minutes restriction truly comes in. At Shander Show on Twitter. Speaking of coming in, Silvio D'Souza, 12 games, suspended by Kansas for that brawl that we saw last night, Kansas-Kansas State. Eli Manning retired. You know, it's interesting to see how this will impact. It's almost like we should do a futures. That's kind of what we will do, I think, in fact, just talking this thing through right now. We'll look at Kansas over a stretch and just see if, in fact, they fall apart from this thing or if they're able to use this as any type of glue. And look, they won the game convincingly. No doubt in my mind that they're not going to fall apart by any means. But it will be interesting to see that, how that does play out. Second bet, look, the Clippers have nobody tonight. Everybody is sitting out for the Clippers. So the number two thing to look at is what you can get if, in fact, where is probably more an operative term. But what you can get Lou Williams right now for an over. Where you can specifically identify the best individual, and again, Zion Williamson is a huge story, and it's a low number that I think we're taking advantage of from a feel standpoint. In the case of the Clippers, who are resting everybody, Paul George is out, Kawhi Leonard is out, Patrick Beverly is out, they're still a five-point favorite, of course, Because they're in Atlanta. But Lou Williams himself, and I'm trying to see if I can find the the best value here. But Lou Williams' points right now, it's locked on my FanDuel account at the moment. So hopefully I'll be able to find something here on another app. But whatever you have for Lou Williams over, take it. Whatever points you can get for Lou Williams tonight... Even if it seems ridiculous, even if it's like 26 points, Shander, are you serious? And again, I'm waiting for this thing to reload, but at the moment, it's all locked up. The game, not the app or anything like that. I would still rest 27-28. Now, I would be floored, not even shocked beyond that, floored if it was 27 or 28 points tonight. But even still, we'd have a conversation. I'm guessing, and I was trying to get into this thing, but it's been locked now for a little bit. So I'll have to go somewhere else now. Even if you look at this thing in the mid-20s, what are you doing not jumping on it? There's nobody out there. Just look at the history. Because Lou Williams is the now default guy to take over and score points, run any semblance of an offense that they have without those guys out there. So 
There's really no argument to this. At the very least, the only thing that counters this is Lou Williams doesn't have a good night tonight shooting the basketball. But who out there is going to stop him? It's 27 and a half at DraftKings. All right, there we go. Over, you pay minus 139 on the juice for Lou Williams at over 27 and a half. Here's what I'll give you. Not only will I give you the over for Lou Williams, but I'll throw in the over for Landry Shamit as well. And let's double this sucker up. I don't think we can do the in-game, but if we can... No, we can't do the in-game parlay on that, but that's fine. We'll stake them both out, all right? I'm riding this with you. You and me, together, are going to look at this the next time we chat, which will be, I guess, post-Super Bowl at this point. But think about it. Nobody, they're taking on the Hawks. Nobody has an answer for Lou Williams tonight. This is a 30-point victory. Landry Shamit can just sit out there and pop threes. There's going to be an opportunity for Shamit to take a lot of shots and take advantage of a lot of spacing out there, especially with Lou Williams controlling the basketball. So those two guys have now been jettisoned up to a much larger role. And Shamit a little banged up, but he's out there. He's playing. I don't see an issue at this point. That's the biggest thing that I jump on, which is who's around you. And you've just eliminated three options. Even Patrick Beverly has been eliminated as a scoring option next to Lou Williams. No longer even in that six-man type role because two guys in George and Kawhi are resting. There's no pressure, not that there ever was, but there's no pressure to get anybody else involved now. This is the biggest green light of the night. And you're laying minus 139 at DraftKings, and I understand why. I can't truly hate at that. I get it. Because the likelihood of this man dropping at least 30 en route to a Clippers road victory in Atlanta is pretty likely, especially when you look at that backcourt that the Hawks are going to parade out, defensively speaking, of course. So I'm good with it. And I'm good with Landry Shamit taking advantage of the sucker as well. Third thing to look at, and then we'll start to expand into this Super Bowl because it's going to be the last time you and I get a chance to truly glance over some things that we might have missed. But also in the same vein here, the NBA, where you've got a team in Golden State tonight who is taking on a jazz squad that everybody's in love with. And I understand that. Everybody right now loves Utah, thinking what they just did recently, that stretch that they've put together, combined with, this isn't a huge road game for them, major travel. But minus that loss to the Pelicans of all teams, they haven't lost since a game in Miami that seems like it was months ago. Utah has been absolutely on fire. And there is very little to think right now that between Mitchell and Gobert and what they've been able to put together from an offense-defense standpoint that they slow down. And I'm not here to tell you that they lose the game, nor that they don't even cover that what seems to be ridiculously low 8.5-point line. Think about that, 8.5 points. 
Total's 220.5. We'll hit more of that on the big board 20 minutes from now. But the play here is the first half. And when you're taking on the Warriors and you're as good of a basketball team and you've put together as great of a stretch as the Jazz just had, then the natural instinct here is to go with momentum. Well, the Warriors stink. They're not really doing anything. They can't climb their way out of the basement, no matter how much D'Angelo Russell, ding, ding, we hit that the other night, scores individually, it doesn't matter. The team's not clawing their way out of the basement, and that's a good thing. And it always circles back to tanking and how important it is to finish up at the top, and that's what Golden State's going to do. So why would you go against that negative momentum? Why would you fade negativity? At the same time, why wouldn't you ride right now the Jazz based on this immense wave of success that they seem to be conveniently and maybe even more importantly comfortably surfing and navigating through an NBA schedule? It's effortless. Well, the first half on the road is something that's been covered up a lot by winning basketball games. When you're as good as Utah and you've put together a nice stretch like the Jazz have, then any issue, even and especially if it's going on in the first half, is going to be overlooked. Even if you go back to that Pelicans game in which they lost, you saw the same thing. Now you have to go back and look really consistently at games in which Utah has been on the road, and that was one of them. In fact, that was the last time they were on the road. Before that, a couple of consecutive wins, Brooklyn and Washington, but still road victories. These games are not won by any means in the first half. This is a team that truly struggles in the first half, and they found themselves down after the first half against the Pelicans, the lowly Pelicans who didn't have Zion Williamson or anybody else out there flaunting their talents outside of Ingram. Ingram dropped 49 on them. But a lot of this came, the frustration, the deficit, trying to come back. It's a first-half problem for the Utah Jazz. And I'm just saying on the road, which they happen to be tonight, on the road. So they can only get to about 49 or so. Warriors, on the other hand, aren't terrible. They're putting up some points. They're over 50 points on average at home in the first half. So you can get them at plus four, four and a half if you're lucky. But you can get the Warriors at plus four, plus four and a half in the first half of that late, late game tonight. And that's where I think we end with the top three is trying to mine some value in a team that gets grossly overlooked in the first half at home, and rightfully so, because they'll find a way to lose this game, and a team on the road who has a couple of little blemishes that you won't really see or even notice because they wind up pulling out the game and it doesn't even look to be an issue. Sixers, Raptors tonight. We've got thoughts on that with the big board coming your way. We also have a ton with the Super Bowl, some college basketball games of note, jammed until we hit Matt Peralt at 7. What are the odds? Including, of course, I think we need to start asking some odds of our own with Antonio Brown and Eli Manning. I'll get to all of that. It's a jam program. I'm going to do everything I can to slide everything we have in until 7, 8 o'clock tonight. 
because it's the last time we'll chat pre-Super Bowl. I'll be down in Miami. You can follow along with everything I'm doing at Shander Show on Twitter. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. You know he's down with us. D-Nice and Mick Buddha down with us. Miss Melody, she's down with us. Just Ice and DMX are down with us. My manager, Mo, he's down with us. Castle D, boy, he's down with us. DJ Red Alert, he's down with us. Losing a Super Bowl is extremely tough for everybody, um, especially when you lose or when you have a 28-3 to lead going into the fourth. Um, you know, but the way it came down on me personally, you know, I didn't react to that, I think, the way people would expect because, you know, I, I, there's definitely parts in that Super Bowl that I would love to have back and stuff I was very hard on myself. But, um, you know, the whole narrative of if, if I just would have ran it, we would have won. Um, I know that wasn't the case. Um, I know it went into that game and all the stuff that happened. Um, so that stuff didn't bother me. I mean, you got to deal with that and listen to other people. And um, But um, it was nice to be able to move on and move out here and just keep working. And I'm going to get the chance to go back. Kyle Shanahan talking about the ghost that still haunts him following the collapse of the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl against who else? Also... Impossible for me to believe that Andy Reid won't be hit with questions about the last time he was in the Super Bowl, leading our here in Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles, to a loss that has since been marred by controversy surrounding a team that can't get away from controversy. So that circles back, and I was ridiculed about this on social media, and I am so happy that our leader, Afternoon Drive host, Sean Brace, had this up here for me, this juicy cut to play as well, where Kyle Shanahan pretty much gives you an odds-on favorite of whether or not something will be brought up on the broadcast. It's a simple prop that... Will the Patriots be mentioned? Will Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say Patriots? No is minus 300 where I see it. Global market, yes, is plus 200. Well, nobody's going to play the no. It's just a matter of if you would play it. There's no value in laying three to one there, but is there any risk at all in taking the plus 200. Yes, absolutely. You just, we're not even at Radio Row. We're not even at Media Day. We're not even at the week before where I promise you, I've been to a couple of these. Everybody just gets crazy. By Thursday, everyone is so stir crazy that you start to see and hear the most ridiculous narrative surrounding a Super Bowl. In this case, you've got, and I don't know if they like it or not, probably not, but that's the breaks right here. you got two guys in Reed and Shanahan that are tied at the hip because Bill Belichick found a way to humiliate them. Yeah, Belichick taped your walkthrough and had a safety in Rodney Harrison call out plays every time the ball was going to somebody else's chest and intercepted it three times. You had Kyle Shanahan and Dan Quinn's team melt down in a Super Bowl collapse that we won't see ever again. Yes, 
the Patriots will be mentioned. Absolutely, at some point, the Patriots will be mentioned. And you know what? It might even be right away. It might even be some small little just tidbit that you get from Buck in which it's both of these coaches, of course, trying to exercise the demon. Let me think about it. It's exactly what he's talking Losing about. Losing the Super Bowl is extremely tough for everybody, um, especially when you lose or when you have a 28-3 to lead going into the fourth. Um, you know, But the way it came down on me personally, you know, I didn't react to that, I think, the way people would expect because you know, I, I, there's definitely parts in that Super Bowl that I would love to have back. Think about this. If it's being discussed now... Do you think it's just going to be forgotten? Do you think that by media day, when everybody's in those tents and wherever they have set up for questions, that Kyle Shanahan's going to be asked about something Richard Sherman said or something Jimmy Garoppolo? Hey, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and that porn star, is this still a thing, coach? That's going to be some ridiculous plant, if so. It's going to be like when uh, they used to do this with the Iran-Contra, and all of a sudden some random person would stand up in the back and ask Reagan about the weather up in New England. The hell is going on that you don't think the New England Patriots will be a theme, at least one small theme, throughout the week? And this is this week leading up to the week leading up to the Super Bowl. We're at Wednesday night, and we have a cut already of one of the two coaches acknowledging it. Yes, without a doubt, this thing will be mentioned. And I don't even know if it's going to be close. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. What are the odds presented by Cure Auto Insurance? We'll hit the big board coming up. Do want to hit one thing also on the Super Bowl? And just looking ahead at this thing. There are a couple of gigantic ones that would break the book. If, in fact, it hit. And it's such a long shot. In fact, I'm trying to remember offhand. So if you're following along right now on Twitter, at Shander Show, of course, then maybe you can help remind me. But didn't Desmond Howard, that Patriots Packers, when he won the MVP, didn't he return the opening kick for a touchdown? That right now is at plus 8,000. That's gigantic in its own right. Now, you can look at safety during a game is plus 900 for yes, minus 2,200. Nobody in the right mind would play that. That's like Floyd Mayweather just flaunting. But you do have a couple of interesting ones that are laid out as far as big props are concerned. The biggest one, opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Successful onside recovery, no Minus 6,000, right? So, all right, where's where's the value? Is somebody going to recover an onside kick in this Super Bowl? When's the last time that's happened? Onside kick in the Super Bowl. Plus 2,300 for that. Last play is a quarterback kneel. Now, these odds aren't crazy here. Think about this. It's not a guarantee given that the game ends with Patrick Mahomes or Jimmy Garoppolo taking a knee. In fact, especially if the Niners are up, you know, the Chiefs are going to be sitting back there throwing the football, trying to move the ball, and it's just going to end most likely. This is just how things usually work and how we've seen it, even back to the Super Bowl the Eagles won where Brady had a chance 
before that strip sack, of course. Last play of the game to be a quarterback kneel. Minus 150, yes. Plus 120, no. That's not high at all. Plus 120? That tells you that this thing is closer than you think that one of these two teams who's down is going to be in the position to either run, get some clock, and move it. And I don't mean run it out. I'm just saying like quick yardage to get a first down or just drop back if you're the Chiefs and let that hammer fly and try to narrow that deficit. Game tied after the first score. All right, so think about this one. And then we'll hit the big board coming up. Value in the NBA. Some value in college as well. It's a busy night in college, but you don't have that much ranked action. And hopefully you listened to Michael Calabrese last night and not me outside of that because a lot did not hit. Now, his Lobos hit, but a lot of other things did not hit for us. So I'll leave it that short and sweet. Will the game be tied at any point after the first score? Again, not a ton of value on the positive, but it tells you something here. You're not going to get plus odds on this. It's a risk. At minus 105, you're laying a little bit. But that's yes. No is minus 120. It's even heavier right there. I mean, that's even more. I don't even know why you would do that. If you think, in fact, it's going to happen, then why would you do that? Quarterback to pass for the most yards. Adam Thompson, bookies.com, came on Monday night and said, don't be surprised If by the end of Super Bowl Sunday, you see Jimmy Garoppolo with more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes, not because this was some drop-back shootout, but the nature of the game and how the Niners are so good at keeping offenses off the field and their defense opportunistic getting a couple of stops. 400-yard passer, yes, plus 500, no, minus 950. That's something I play. If you're pro-Chiefs, if you think the Chiefs win this thing, are they really going to win it in a battle of backs? Is this really going to be, are you ran the ball, then we run the ball, then you run the ball, or are they going to try, it's Andy freaking Reed. they're going to try to put this team out of their misery in San Francisco as fast as humanly possible, and that comes from Mahomes throwing the ball. End of the third quarter, start of the fourth, things aren't working your way. It's a different story. In-game adjustments, I get that. But the game plan, at least looking at a game plan coming into this from a betting standpoint, yes, I would put something on that. I think that that is a very realistic scenario if, in fact, the Chiefs win this football game. What are the odds UNC shocks the world? Not good. We'll get to that next. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. It's time to run through the nightly action. All things college to the pros to give you the most updated odds on games right before they start. From the biggest stars to the smallest schools, nothing escapes the big board. 
Well, let's start where we'll begin here in Philadelphia in about seven minutes, where the Sixers are a six-and-a-half-point dog in Toronto. And again, this is about momentum and feel. Sixers won four straight. On the road, taking on bad teams, but you know what? Winning games, Ben Simmons looks like a completely different player without Joel Embiid on the floor, and that should continue tonight. The guy comes off a career high, over 30 points, a triple-double. We expect that something like that should continue tonight. But, and this is something to think about for this game specifically, and I'll give you the money and if, in fact, there's that much of a discrepancy between bet and actual money. But 43% of the bets on the Sixers, 54% of the money on Philadelphia. So it's not huge. You're going over 50%. And depending on how you look at that, that could be a quick and easy tell to stay away. Especially because when you're looking at the Raptors at home, who have also won and have also put together a nice little streak of four straight games, this is a difficult place for teams to win, and it's a difficult place to keep Toronto under a buck ten, a buck fifteen. So you're asking now, and it's not so much about putting together an offensive performance. You're going to be able to do that against worse teams. You're going to be able to go up against the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks, and we'll get to the Knicks and Lakers tonight. But you'll be able to go up against a team like that and not have to worry so much about where you stand defensively. Are you going to be able to keep the Nets below 120? Yeah, they don't have Kyrie. Who's asking and who's really concerned if the Sixers, Sons, Embiid, or anybody else... And to keep the Knicks below 120, man, you don't keep the Knicks below a buck ten, then you're in trouble. This is exactly what is going to be their undoing tonight. And some people want to stay away from this thing. Some people want to look at this and think, well, the Sixers' momentum on the road is going to... You hear it right from the beginning of the show. We don't care if your team wins or loses, and especially if it's our team here. We don't care about the result. I've seen this thing slowly drop. People continue to bet on the Sixers. I actually, right now, wouldn't wait. You're not going to have any more time to wait. I've waited as long as I could, and I've seen this thing drop a point and a half. I'll gladly, with a smile, not even wait for in-game, take the Raptors at home to win by seven. Six and a half right now. Laying that at home against the Sixers team, who has not figured this thing out long-term on the road by any means. Elsewhere in the NBA tonight. And we can start with just a wide range of money versus bets. You've got the Bulls and the Wolves in Chicago. It's a one-point Chicago home favorite line. 44% of the actual bets. So when you look at the number of bets that have been placed on the Bulls at home, minus one, 44%. And it hasn't been a huge amount. You're just under 2,000 total bets on the spread. 71% of the money is on the Bulls. That's a ton right there. That is a huge amount to go from 44% of bet and a company, or pardon me, accounting for 71% of the money. I can tell you right there 
the immense amount of confidence that people have on Chicago to place fewer bets, but still heavier money. Sharp money, smart money, however you want to determine that. Same thing with Memphis. Memphis is in Boston. We just saw Boston light up the Lakers with Anthony Davis returning, and it didn't matter. Boston laying seven at home right now currently, and that's a 7.30 tip, against the Grizzlies. 46% of the bets on Memphis, 71% of the money is on Grizzlies versus Celtics. So it's 71% Grizzlies money off 46% of the total bets. And this is over 3,000 bets. More and more and more people. Maybe just because it's a big line, but I'm not fading Boston at home. You can do that at your own risk. I think Boston has earned that right. Houston at home laying 9.5 against Denver. This is an 8 o'clock Eastern tip. Over 3,300 people have taken a bet on the spread so far. 9.5. Now, 49% of the bets are on the Rockets. Now, remember, Denver banged up. You don't have Murray. 49%, although we did give you them getting it right the other night, Monday night, Tuesday. Erase that show from your memory. My God. 49% of the bets on the Rockets, 69% of the money laying on Houston. Last one, Heat, 10-point favorites at home against Washington. 65% of the bets, yes, but 81% of the money. A lot of people really believe this thing can happen. And the Clippers, I lied, sorry. Clippers, because we gave you that Lou Williams and Landry Shamit. Clippers laying five on the road in Atlanta, 42% of the bets on the Hawks, and that's 58% of the money. That's basically flip-flopped if you want to look at the Clippers. So college, can you mine some anything at all here on college? You've got a game that's just about to tip, and maybe you think it's worth it because Fordham is getting three at home against GW. 27% of the bets on Fordham to cover that three-point line that they're getting. 59%, however, of the money is on Fordham to do just that. Uh, Not enough to convince you. That's fine. UNLV at Nevada. UNLV getting four and a half. This is 11 o'clock late game. Hasn't been heavily bet. Over 1,000 bets, but still enough to determine 38% of the bets versus 64% of the money. Now, again, that's a tough line to cross through. Fresno, plus five at Colorado State. A nine o'clock tip. This is on ESPN Trey. 18%. Think about this. 18% of the bets on Fresno. That's it. You're over 1,100 bets on the spread, and only 18% of it are accounting for Fresno. Yet 43% of the money is on Fresno to cover that line. As ridiculous as that sounds, that is gigantic. Gigantic. And I told you, if you could tease it down, talked about this on the Daily Ticket earlier, if you could tease it down, and we do have Temple, by the way, getting two and a half, hosting Cincinnati, you can take that at your own risk here. 33% of the bets, 46% of the money on Temple. But... I'm not shocked to see that Virginia Tech is over 50% on both here. And this is the one that I still like, and I get it that people can't quit UNC for whatever reason. 
and this is going to be the game, this is going to be the game, this is going to be the night. I don't see it happening here. UNC getting seven on the road against Vatek, 33% of the bets, 40% of the money on UNC side. Not enough. That's somewhat, but still, even 33 to 40 isn't enough. And overwhelming the amount of money on Virginia Tech. Now, here's an upset, right? Here's books, get back, and all these other things that you want to lay out. That's fine. It's going to happen. But there are 58 other games to choose from. It ain't going to be this one. Matt Peralt next. What are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Gear Auto Insurance. Ain't nothing but against the party, party. All right, let's go out to the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. We'll get you updated on all the in-game action, including the Sixers, Raptors up in Toronto, coming your way in a half hour. We'll also go out to San Francisco before the show's over. But as we have been chatting with Matt Peralt at Sports Talk, Matt, host of Pushing the Odds, a 1-4 to four Eastern, Monday through Friday on SB Nation Radio, about all things, mainly NFL, and some other things to bet on, of course, Live in Las Vegas. Matt, I'm sure that you've seen crazy bet after crazy bet to large sum of money pour in immediately as we're not even through the first week before the week of the Super Bowl already happening in Vegas. I would imagine at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, right when the when lines posted, the, the bets come in. But the thing that, you know, I've been here now for five years and, I, you know, we've been doing Pushing the Odd Show nearly going on three years now. And, one one thing that I'm learning more and more about this too is just the Super Bowl has to be placed in its own department, like it, it's its own world. <laughs> so the bets that come in right now, right away, you almost have to look at them with uh, like cross-eyed a little bit. Like don't believe them because the line manipulation is real. Like these syndicates want to unload a half a million dollars on a side because the books will take it. This is the one game the books will take the biggest line that you want to put down. They'll let you put it down. So. They want the line in a certain number. So I don't know if I'm buying all these money line bets coming in. I don't know if I'm buying all of these numbers coming in on Kansas City and, and the 49ers. And so, like, when we see 100000 that might be chunk change by the time well, what comes in, say, next Friday or next Saturday, we might see half million, million dollar bets come in. Yes, and, and I think that's the most difficult thing to talk about, right, with any of the bets, even if it's money line to spread, easy, simple stuff that we can do on a weekly basis. You don't know how much is impacted on the person who hasn't placed a bet all year that now decides, well, I want to make my Super Bowl party fun. Here's $200 on the Chiefs, or here's $1,000, depending on who we're talking about and what you know, you know, socioeconomic status that they have. No, it's true. I mean, it, there is just so much money that comes in on this game on both sides that We'll talk about the big bets because the big bets are fun. But it's really the everyday casual hundred buck better who comes in and decides to dump their bankroll on this game. So you know if you're making if you, your bankroll starts at three grand, maybe you're up to ten, 10 grand or seven grand. By the end of the year, okay, I'm gonna drop five grand on this game. All of a sudden, the action you just 
you see things, prop bets that see so much more action than you'll ever see in any other game. I mean, heck, we're going to bet on the coin flip and the length of the national anthem, for goodness sakes. So, I mean, this game is just, it's its own world. And really, from a, from a gambling standpoint, it really is actually great that we get two weeks to really get deep into these prop bets and really deep into what these teams are going to look like once they get to Miami. So what's been the craziest thing you've seen so far as far as just a, maybe it's a sum, a total wager, or an actual prop bet that you can't believe somebody either on your show or you've talked with has actually taken? I don't know if I'm shocked by anything yet. I mean, you know, whenever I see $150,000 come in on the money line, it definitely kind of makes it go, okay. And, you know, you see 200000 come in. It's, you know, those are, we're getting a little bit numb to those sums because that's a a house. (laughs) Someone's getting a house on a football game. So that's a little bit crazy. But, I mean, I don't think I'm shocked by anything yet. I mean, I think once we get a little closer to the game, we might see the line. Because right now with the prop bets, the books aren't taking big money on the props. So they're going to hold pretty long, on short lines. So I'm sure once we get closer to coin flip, we could see people putting a thousand dollars down on coin on the coin flip or the national anthem. But right now, you know, they do keep their limits low just because they got to see how much action they've got on either side. Is there anything? And I saw this from ESPN, right, where the five biggest Super Bowl wagers and one in MGM by you, the other at William Hill. I saw 150,000 on the Chiefs money line minus 125 and you're right. These I feel like these numbers are small cash until Floyd Mayweather comes in with like a 1.8 million dollar bet. And it's going to come. I mean, that's just a fact. We're going to see those wagers. We're going to see I mean, Mattress Mac kind of desensitized us a little bit with the World Series because he was coming in with just like, like you had to go to Twitter before the Titans cheered right. him and says like, well, will somebody take, you know, 100,000 or plus 300, whatever it was, to take his big wager, you end up losing. You want the Titans on the money line plus 300. I think someone in Mississippi actually took it. But uh, so, so we kind of, you know, as, as we see these big numbers come in, it's like Monopoly money. I mean, I don't think I'll ever in my life be putting down 100,000, little and a million dollars on a bet. But it is wild to see that there are people out there who are now being willing and open to saying how much they're gambling because these bets, you know, bookmakers tell me this all the time, these bets have been around forever. The difference is people are either A, more comfortable being acknowledged, or B, the books are more comfortable saying, yes, we took this action. So it's been because of New Jersey, really. I mean, it tip the cap to New Jersey and Pennsylvania because those books are so aggressive that it's causing everybody – to say, hey, hey, wait, we took a big bet too. Don't forget about us. Look what, look what we did. It's almost like a badge of honor when you take a bet like a six-figure wager. That's a great way to put it, right? It is truly a badge of honor. Do you expect Mayweather to come in with a bet? That's There's a prop that I saw in the global market about Mayweather, and the total was a million. I thought it was an easy over that he would place a bet over a million dollars. Well, here's why I would agree with you, because Mayweather's back in the news. Mayweather needs to be in the news. If he's going to fight Great Connor point. coming up at a, at, a, at a Legionnaire Stadium, and his name, I mean, he's not posting those Connor Floyd 2 posters on Instagram for nothing. He wants the buzz. He wants the attention. So what's a great way to get attention? Okay, crack off a $2 million bet and <laughs> put it on whoever you want. So 
yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right on point with that. I think he wants the attention, and I think him going over a million, a million would seem low to me if Floyd comes in and bets. Is there anything you like right now ahead of time? Is there anything from the Chiefs' standpoint, from the Niners, even if it's a player prop like Garoppolo going under in pass yards, but is there one thing that you saw, and we've got a couple of days under our belt since this stuff has been out there, especially where you live, which is just surrounded by odds and constant up of props as well that you really like a week and a half out Sunday night 830 I placed my first bet San Fran plus one minus 110 ah. the Niners are winning this game and I'll take as many points as you want to give me I will I will put money down on the money line I'll get to a certain number that I like I will take every point I will bet this game multiple times the 49ers are winning this football game. Everybody is so in love with offense and Mahomes and the arm and the sideways throws. And that defense is going to slow them down. Not stop them. I won't say stop. They're going to slow them down. And the Chiefs' defense is not going to be able to stop. They'll have to pick their poison. Pick the pass, pick the run. Which one do you want to stop? They're not good enough to do both. If they stack the line, I'm going to trust Jimmy G, who might even get picked off once or twice in this game. I'm going to trust Kittle to get open. He did nothing in the NFC championship game. Kittle, which was just named by Pro Football Focus, the best player in football, yep. did nothing in the championship. In the championship. Well, did he have to, though? Gonna have a, no, he didn't have to. But in the, in the running game, he did a ton. He, that's why he's the number one player in, in, pro, in pro football, because he's so versatile and does so much. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to throw the ball if the run gets taken away. I don't think Casey's defense is that good. It gets exposed for them two weeks. So I saw one prop, and I'm curious to think if this could happen. We've seen, at least with Kansas City, this ability to do this. It's at plus 8,000 if the first kick gets returned for a touchdown. Opening kick for – didn't Desmond Howard do this? Oh, yeah, someone almost did it. No, it was, it, was, it was a couple of years ago. The guy – I forget who it was. It got kicked off like a five-yard line. It got knocked out of bounds. It almost, it almost happened. It would have hit, like, ridiculousness. Yeah, I mean, eight – Sure, why not? I mean, those are the things that are five, ten bucks. I mean, if you're going to be watching this game, why not have those things in play? Why not go with the safety? Why not go with the ridiculous trick plays? Why not go with someone other than a touch, other than a, in a quarterback to throw a touchdown? Uh, you know, defensive return for a touchdown. I mean, all those ridiculous things you're going to get plus two, three, four hundred, even more on. It's it's the last football game of the year. Like, have fun with it. It might not hit, but if it does, that's awesome for you. Matt Peralt joining us at Sports Talk Matt on Twitter on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Let's look at this based off the narrative that I think makes a lot of sense, which is the 49ers win. So 49ers win, it's going to be more of a stretch. I won't say impossible, but it'll be more of a stretch for Garoppolo to win the MVP than it would if the Chiefs win for Patrick Mahomes. Is there somebody, right? Is there somebody else? Here's 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 why you here's why you have to point this out because it's so it's so smart that you just did that. So it's even money right now on Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP. Yes. If, if the books thought if the books thought the Chiefs are going to win this game, Mahomes would be minus one twenty, not even money. He'd be odds on favor because if the Chiefs are going to win, Mahomes is winning the MVP. Like you almost can't do the other. Like if you bet Chiefs money line, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. So, it's a quarterback award to begin with, but if they're going to win the game, Mahomes is going to throw for three touchdowns and one right. another one, and, and he's going to win the MVP. So if you have the Chiefs as a favorite, why is it in Mahomes? Why is Mahomes even money? I, 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 it's a big question I've got for all the books. It's a very weird number they've put on Mahomes. 
Well, with that same thing in mind here, that same point in mind, Garoppolo, I saw anywhere from like plus 230, plus 250, and then it takes a jump to Mostert. And I get it, like Kittle or even Samuel, even if especially Samuel throws for a big play or even a touchdown, I get that there are factors involved to where a receiver or a tight end could win it outside of the quarterback himself. But wouldn't the logical selection, based on you taking the Niners to win it, be Mostert winning the game MVP? Maybe, but I could also see a defensive player winning it, and I could see... I like a Nick Bosa having three sacks, a forced fumble, and a touchdown return. I mean, I, 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 I could see that defense is the best defense in football, and people just have slept on it all year long about how darn good those guys are. There's no weather to worry about. You're going to pin their ears back. You're going to go after because there's no running game to really talk about for the Chiefs. They got an okay one, but nothing you're really going to worry too much about. The secondary has been playing phenomenally well for San Francisco. I mean, you've got – uh, you know, some veterans back there who know Richard Sherman is playing his best football in years since he came back from the Achilles injury. I, I wouldn't put a pass the defensive player with being an MVP, which is really rare, I know, yeah. for the 49ers here. I, I mean, I think this is old-school football. This is Patriots-Rams last year. Patriots beat the holy heck out of the Rams, and I think the 49ers are going to beat the holy heck out of the Chiefs. So it makes sense to go offense. But it's not going to shock me if a defensive player winds up being the MVP if the 49ers win. I'm guessing we're going to be on the same page on this, despite an overwhelming amount of money already coming in on the opposite and moving it up a couple. But I'm going to guess, and again, you correct me if I'm wrong, that you like the under 54. <laughs> I just want to see, keep on chucking up, keep on chucking up, 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 up. The higher that number goes, the more that I like the under. Yep. I just, yep. I, I. Whenever you see the public and everyone drive this, look, I know the over came in in the last two weeks. Both championship games were on the over. I was on the over for the Chiefs and Titans. I got that right. I was on the under for the 49ers game. Got that wrong. I am still going to be on the under, and I'm going to let this thing go. I'm not going to play the under until literally the moment right before the off because I'm going to see as far high, as many points as I can get because I know the public is going to be all over points, 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 and I don't think it's going to be like that. I mean, everyone's telling me, remember Seahawks-Broncos a couple of years ago when everybody was on, I, I, I think it was on the over, it was on the favorite, dog in the under came in. I think it was 43-8 was the final score with Seattle. 42-8, right? Or, yeah, it might have been 43-8, right. 43-8, 42-8. So I mean, everyone's pointing, everyone's saying, look, everyone thinks that Chiefs are going to come in here and put up all these points. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. No, I, I don't see it either, and especially uh, the first half, I saw that about 25 or 26 and a half, which again is so high for a first half number. I, I thought yeah. that even makes more sense. Like, okay, I get it. Sometimes you see adjustments made, and Andy Reid is not the king of adjustments by any means, but the other guy is. And I, I would see that where third quarter, maybe even the start of the fourth, something opens up and you get to see some points, but... Under 26-and-a-half in the first half? Absolutely sign me up for that. In particular because you expect the first quarter to be a typical like heavyweight match, right? You're yeah, yes. Kind of feeling feeling itself out, and you know these teams are new to the Super Bowl, so they're going to have some nerves. So, yeah, I mean, I could totally see first half under coming in. And, again, you just got to sit back and wait because that number is only going to go up. So as, you know, as the total goes up, so the first half total will start to go up. So 
this is such a great game to be a contrarian to bet against the public. It's like the one game you have to bet against the public because it's the Super Bowl, and whenever somebody thinks it's going to happen, you know, 75% and beyond, you've got to go the other way. You've got to go against it. There's one prop that is you get better odds than some plus 8,000. Why not throw $10 on and cross your fingers? I actually think that you can make a reasonable argument for why a non-quarterback would throw a TD and get it at yeah. plus 1,000. And I saw another player prop where it's at 2.5 over under players to throw a touchdown. So you know both quarterbacks are. and is somebody. Else. We've seen the Philly special be reinvented. We've seen Debo Samuel himself throw a lot. I'm sure Kansas City has it up their sleeve where Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins I've seen throw the ball as well. This wouldn't shock me, Matt. Not in the least. It's the Super Bowl. I mean, absolutely. Philadelphia kind of made it safe now, right? That like, if it doesn't work... That's what we do. We set trends. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like, they made it safe. So, like, people aren't going to freak out as much if you do it and it doesn't People aren't like, oh my gosh, what did you do that for? So I, I think it, it's kind of in vogue. So yeah, I, I like that play a lot for somebody else, non-quarterback throw. What's going to be the most shocking thing? Do you think, like, are we going to walk away with a Super Bowl where Jimmy Garoppolo outthrows Patrick Mahomes? I don't know because I don't think they need they don't need him to do that. That's not his role on this team. They've got you know road grading offensive linemen. They've got three backs. We'll see what Kevin Coleman's going to look like with his, with his dislocated or the shoulder elbow injury. But I mean, they, they've got a, a, a multitude of options to go with here. That they don't need Garoppolo throwing the ball thirty times in this game. They got to be balanced. They've got to take care of the football. And look, if he does throw a pick, Kyle Shanahan's already shown it. He'll run the ball eighteen times. He doesn't care. He'll just keep on you know say stop it. You, you think we're just going to run the ball? It's one thing to know it's coming. It's a whole different story to stop it. And that's why, you know, the Patriots kind of turned the clock back here, and so have the the 49ers. Running the football and playing defense is coming back in football. And because all these linebackers are white and these safeties don't like to tackle, this is a huge opportunity for teams that know how to win in the postseason. And that's taking care of the football. That's running the football and playing defense. Another prop that I think is a lock, and you're perfect for this, and I've argued this now on two separate radio shows today. So if there's anybody who's been following along since noon Eastern, you're probably sick and tired of me bringing this up. But, again, you're perfect for this because you're an expert on two angles. One, the team that's going to be brought up, and two, the odds that are attached to it. Will Joe Buck or Troy Aikman say, quote, Patriots? No is minus 300. There's no value at minus 3 to 1. I understand that. But is there a play on yes at plus 200? I say, look, I played a cut 25 minutes ago before you came on from Kyle Shanahan, who was already addressing whether or not he's exercising demons. It's the Wednesday before media day and week and all the other crap that leads up to the Super Bowl. It's hard for me to think that the Patriots aren't mentioned at the very least, Matt, just to combine the misery that Reed and Shanahan have gone through in the Super Bowl. Okay, just to be clear, all the only thing that has to be mentioned is the Patriots during the, the, the no context. Just the, the term Patriots. Patriot, the word Patriots. That's all I see in quotes. Will Joe Buck right, or Troy Aikman say, quote, Patriots? That's it. Obviously, because they're going to read it, who won last year's Super Bowl. So if there's a record that got broken in last year's Super Bowl, 
and it was this year, and it gets broken in this year's Super Bowl, they're going to read it because it happened last year. Or trying to replace the Patriots who lost last year. Or Chiefs beat the Patriots last year in the AFC Championship game. That's a, that has to be a global book because no book in Vegas would ever take that. Because I think that's an automatic yes. Patriots are 100% being referenced in some form or fashion. How, if they go up 28-3, to three, could you imagine? Oh, my God, yeah. Three? I mean, think about how often they'd be bringing up the Patriots if it's 28-3. to three. So that's almost too easy in my mind. That's an absolute yes that that's happening. And I imagine that you're going to see this if it's not out there already about which coach gets shown first, right? Which of the two gets put up on the broadcast first? Again, I think... Andy Reid is going to dominate the conversation, especially for... It's almost like Kyle Shannon has a pass, where, yeah, he's a cool story, coach of the year, and all these other things, but we're talking about Andy Reid and a Hall of Fame career that is missing one thing. My gut would say Andy Reid gets shown first, but then again, the Super Bowl is always quirky and wacky. Who's the home team? Is it? I think is it's it technically the Niners, right? They're wearing the whites. Know. Okay, so so I I would I don't know because with the introductions, you might see Shanahan be be put up first. That's really hard to know. I mean, that's one of those really quirky things. But you're right about the story. The story this week is Andy Reid all day. The story right next week is Andy Reid. Yeah, all it is is about can the big guy finally win one? Can he finally win the big game? You know, he's won more games than anybody else, more playoff games than anybody else. But that one championship is he again going to get skunked left at the altar? That's the story of the entire week. And, and by next Thursday, the team is going to be incredibly sick of answering that question. There was another prop we saw here about, we talked about this at length last night on the show, kind of talked our way through it. The Super Bowl MVP mentions first, like what does that person mention first after getting the award? Teammates, the favorite at plus 150, God religion at plus 250, coach coaches and winning city, two separate ones, but both at plus five. And then it gets to family at plus seven, owner plus 14. So I think, again, Andy Reid, Andy Reid is going to be talked about at length. So let's say the Chiefs win this thing. I still think, as Patrick Mahomes would be the obvious choice for MVP, he's going to be inundated all week with what Kansas City has gone through. He knows the 50 years, the drought, and all that. Something in me says, just from a human nature standpoint, Mahomes would say the winning city, and then the Niners... I don't know. I guess it just depends on who wins the end. Mostert might credit God for him being cut from a practice squad and now being a yeah. Super Bowl MVP. Being cut from six six different practice squads. Okay, I, I got <laughs> How is that possible? I mean, yeah, he's been cut from six of them. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's a great question because it depends on who. Like, I could see Bosa. If Nick Bosa was the MVP, I, I could easily see Nick Bosa thanking his family. And saying, like, you know, my brothers got me here, my family got me here, all this stuff. That's a great one. I didn't even think of that. Now, that's plus 700. That's some serious value that actually makes sense, Matt. Yeah, if, if it's Bosa. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, he could have a monster game. Maybe not. We'll see. But if he did, if you're going to say, okay, like Bosa win the, win the MVP, maybe he thanks his family. Just because given what his, what his whole family is. He's a football family. So right, right. Like pop pops in his head is... All the sacrifices my family, my brother, my dad, my mom, and one made to help me get, get to where I'm at. All right, Matt, last one for you, man, and always appreciate the time here. Eli Manning, 
How many times over does he have to wait before getting into the Hall of Fame, which arguably, and, and I'm happy to, and we don't have time to go back and forth on this. I don't know where you stand on it. I respect your opinion, but I, I would be more than okay if Eli Manning ended his career and we acknowledged him as a good quarterback, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Look, he's a giant Hall of Famer, okay? Teams have their own Hall of Fame for reasons. He's a phenomenal player. He deserves all the accolades he can ever accomplish from a Giants perspective. But he's not one of the all-time greats. It's just easy. I, have, I believe the Hall of Fame is if I have to think about you being in the Hall of Fame, you're not a Hall of Famer. I've got to think long and hard about Eli Manning. And so to me, I know it's a really basic and boring and simple answer to a very complex question like the Hall of Fame, but I always, I always boil it down. If I have to stop and think about you, mm-hmm. like Jack Morris, and really think about your numbers, I shouldn't have to do that. It's just, are you one of the greatest players to ever play the game? Yes or no? Answer is no for Eli Manning. Yeah, and apparently somebody could not answer that same question with the same answer about Derek Jeter. I, I, I cannot even believe that was a thing because today. But you know why? I guess baseball players are stupid. They all want to be, you know, they want to be that guy. They want to carry that badge of honor. Yeah, but remember... I'm sorry to jump in, Matt, but remember, we had this same thing. Gary Washburn up in Boston when he voted for Carmelo Anthony as the MVP, when everybody else was like, all right, dude, it's LeBron. I don't care how much you hate LeBron, but he's the MVP. Right. No, it's just I don't like it. I I never have. It's the look at me syndrome, right? Yep. Yep, and, and it's 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 uh, and it's even worse in baseball because it's anonymous. So the, the the guy gets to know and everybody wants to know. So the guy ultimately probably will get outed at some point for being the dude that did it. But you know, if, if you don't think Derek Jeter's a Hall of Famer, you don't know sports. Right? They're, I, I, I'm, I'm a Red Sox fan. So I know. Pains you to say it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, All right Appreciate it. Thank Talk you, man. You got it. Sports Talk, Matt, on Twitter. Matt Peralt, host of Pushing the Odds, 1-4 to four Eastern on SB Nation Radio. As promised, we'll go out to San Francisco next and stay on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Sixers up 24-15 right now. 4.33 left in the first. In-game activity is lit for the Toronto Raptors who have just called a full timeout and said, no more. Kings up 21-16 over the Pistons in the first. Late, near the end right now, Magic Thunder, as we'll keep an eye on Markel Fultz, if in fact anything special happens down there. It's 22-19 now with a minute left to go in the first. And again, a couple of games set to tip off, including Lakers-Knicks right about now. L.A. laying 12 and a half. Should be a big night for LeBron. He's 66 points shy of passing Kobe Bryant. Maybe he drops 67. What are the odds LeBron James drops 67 tonight and takes care of business? Says, all right, pass Kobe. Now give me a night off. Celtics still laying seven. That line has not budged. Nor has that heat line at 10. Both games set to tip off. Want to get some insight. You heard Matt break down some things about the Niners. I was shocked. To hear Matt Peralt pick the 49ers was not expecting him to go that way. Our next guest, who is living, breathing San Francisco out on the radio, is going to join us, Kyle Madsen, with some insight about not only the team, the health, but some storylines that might push you over the top and why this is the right, the proper team to take now. I still think personally... With both Matt and Kyle coming on, I get it. But still, think personally, the main play about this game is in play, is in game. 
I, I don't want to jump on something just because it's tight. Now, if you're going to bet on the Niners, you take the money line. You get a point, okay, but you're going to lay 110, 112, whatever it may be. Take them on the money line. That makes more sense. I understand that. But even still, outside of a Niners money line play, it's the only thing I would play ahead of time. The total is different. The total I'm going to separate. But of the six available plays, and throwing the total in there as well, I'd take the under, and I would take the Niners' money line. Those are the only two things I would lock myself, outside of a prop, of course, the only two things I would lock myself into. A couple hours away now from Zion Williamson taking the floor. Number one bet of the night was over 14 and a half. And look, I am hoping like you are hoping that he hits it because I took it like you took it. And I don't mean took it on the chin. Let's hope it pops in our PayPal account. Check it on the Niners next. Aton Shander, what are the odds? Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Oh, yeah. I'm with this. I'm just going to sit here and lay back to this nice mellow beat, you know? And drop some smooth lyrics. Cause it's 88. Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? And there ain't no half stepping. Word. I'm ready. Rap was stepping to me. They want to get some. But I'm the cane, so yo, you know the outcome. I'm not the victim. I uh, stay out on the guest line of the Dr. Glatt regrow your hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. From Vegas to San Francisco. As Kyle Madsen joins us on the show at Kyle A. Madsen. 95-7 the game out in San Francisco. The Niners wire as well, where you can read all things about the San Francisco 49ers. NinersWire.usatoday.com. Kyle, appreciate the time, brother. I know it's a crazy couple of weeks for everything that you're doing in Sports Talk Radio. Your program director is probably losing his... Every day he comes in with his head intact, and probably by the end of the day it's dismembered at some point. So appreciate a couple of minutes as crazy as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the PD right now, walking around with his hair on fire, but uh, but you love it. Like This is why you do sports radio, is for your local team to go to the, go to the Super Bowl, and that's what the 49ers did. What's it like? Just kind of give us a feel. And we've spoken before towards the end of the season about how crazy and special this season was for San Francisco. But now that it's actually come to fruition, where you're dealing with people on social media, you're dealing with your callers, you're out and about in San Francisco, the people reading your column, just what's the general feel like if it's just total euphoria, if people are on edge? Help us describe, for all the people that are about to bet on the team, what's the city like? It's uh, it's pretty fired up. It's been weird because before the season, there wasn't a ton of anticipation. There were there were so many question marks about the secondary and, and the pass rush and Jimmy Garoppolo's repaired ACL. And then they won the first couple, but it was there was an excuse. It was, oh, it was just Tampa Bay. It was just the Bengals. <laughs> uh, and then they win week three against the Steelers. Oh, it was no Ben Roethlisberger. But they just started stacking up wins, and more and more it – it felt like, like, oh, this is a really good team. But even going into the postseason, the expectations, I think, people were kind of holding back a little bit just because those question marks were still, like, lingering because this was such an unexpected run. But now that they beat the Packers in the NFC title game, I think there was – they and they beat them so soundly 
like the the anticipation of they're going to go to the Super Bowl, it felt inevitable by halftime. And it felt inevitable for me before the game because I thought they were a better team than the Packers. But trying to reconcile that with not expecting this team to go anywhere has been very strange. And I think that's been the same for a lot of people. But now that we're hitting Wednesday, Thursday, I produce a radio show out in San Francisco and the calls are really starting to come in. People wanting to talk Chiefs, people wanting to talk Patrick Mahomes. People are really starting to get fired up, and I think it's sinking in that uh, in in eleven, ten or eleven days, they're they're going to be playing for the for the Lombardi Trophy. Was there a race from inside the building? I mean, we can't have Joe Montana on after Kansas City has Joe Montana on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not not that I specifically heard nothing like that, but uh, but definitely a, a push to be out in front of the ideas and making sure that that we're hitting all the angles because we want to make sure. Well, there are a ton, right? Oh my gosh, it's it's. I mean, where do you? Uh, to, I'm sorry. No, no, please, you start and then I'll finish, please. If if you're trying to list like the storylines for the Super Bowl. There's just there's there's two or three dozen of them, depending on how macro or micro you want to go. Uh, you have Andy Reid trying to win his first Super Bowl. You have Kyle Shanahan trying to make up for the the twenty eight to three debacle when he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. You have Jimmy Garoppolo trying to win a Super Bowl with with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady watching at home. And I mean that's just kind of three that I'm pulling off the top of my head. I'm sure you could come up with a dozen more. It's it's there's there's almost no way to go wrong when talking about the Super Bowl because there are so many angles uh, that you can come at from from both teams. Yeah, and and I do want to focus on one because I think it's going to be under discussed and actually help Kyle Shanahan as opposed mm-hmm. to be inundated and oversaturated when it comes to the other coach and Andy Reid. Think about this, right? And we're chatting, and I understand where you're going as far as the Andy Reid. That's the first thing you mentioned. Kyle Madsen, of course, at Kyle A. Madsen on Twitter, 95.7 The Game, the Niners Wire, NinersWire.usatoday.com. But that whole 28-3, being a part of that, and seeing your offense melt down along with the defense against the Patriots, it's almost like an afterthought. It's still discussed, don't get me wrong, but Andy Reid, Hall of Fame career, it's missing the ring. I feel like Kyle Shanahan can almost sit in the shadow, cross his arms, lean up against the wall, and say, all right, Andy, you handle this one. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think the, the Shanahan 28-3 thing is more of a focus for 49ers-centric thinking. I don't think that the national narrative is going to be about Kyle Shanahan trying to make up for what happened as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons <clears throat> Excuse me, in 2017. I think you're absolutely right. This is Andy Reid's like shot. He's getting up there in age. There's a favorite. He has Patrick Mahomes, who is, uh, you know, no disrespect to Lamar Jackson's remarkable year as the MVP. Patrick Mahomes, I think, got kind of forgotten about that, that he is the second coming. Like, he's the future of the league at the position. I, I mean, so many things are going right for, for Andy Reid. He can finally get this uh, 20-year monkey off his back. Whereas that 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 not quite the same deal for Shanahan. So I, I think you're right. I think that that Shanahan's going to benefit a lot from not having to be in the spotlight, not having to answer 
the larger question about his career that, that Andy Reid does. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach, whether he wins next Sunday or loses next Sunday. But there's always going to be that, 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 oh, well, you know what? He, he never won a title, so he can't be up there with the Bill Belichicks, with the Bill Walshes. Uh, with the Chuck Knowles, he, he, he won't be in that pantheon of all-time great coaches uh, without the Super Bowl win, and, and Shanahan just doesn't have that pressure. Niners win the game. Who's the MVP? Because oh. we don't think it's Garoppolo. I, yeah, I, that's, that's what's interesting is I think that they're going to have to score a lot of points to, to, to win. Like, I don't think 27 points is going to do it. So I think if they're going to rack up 34-plus points, I think Garoppolo is going to have to throw some. And I, and I think that, that he would be the MVP if I'm, if I'm putting my money on it. But with Kevin Coleman banged up, he has a dislocated shoulder. Shanahan said he has a chance to play. But even if he does, I can't imagine that he gets a full workload, which means Raheem Mostert is going to get a ton of carries. The Niners are going to show the Chiefs some things that the Chiefs haven't quite seen on film. And Raheem Mostert, we've seen – even since last year, go watch go watch some of his film from from 2018. When he gets a hole, he's going to hit it, and he's a home run hitter. He is very very fast, and I think we're going to see four or five plays next Sunday where Moster gets into the second level untouched and and rips off a huge game. So if he gets another 20 or 25 carries and turns it into 180 yards and three touchdowns, I think they're looking at. Uh, Raheem Mostert pulling down an MVP uh, in the in the Super Bowl. All right, I'm going to give you $25 to bet on Bosa right. with better odds, right? And I'll give you $50 Ooh. with good odds, right, with Bosa. Or I'll give you $50 with even better odds on Richard Sherman. Which one of those two guys? So you'll have less money to win less back, but a better assurance that it's Bosa. More money with higher odds on Richard Sherman. Yeah. I'm going Bosa there just because I think he'll have way more of a chance to impact the game if Richard Sherman doesn't get thrown at. Like if he just locks down his side of the field or maybe one or two passes come his way, I don't think that's going to be enough for for him to get an MVP, uh, to get MVP consideration. Whereas Bosa, I mean, if he sacks Patrick Mahomes three times and and has a pass breakup, forces a fumble or recovers a fumble or something like that, I think it would be really easy to pencil him in as MVP, especially if the Niners get, you know, the 65 yards from George Kittle and maybe 50 in a touchdown from Samuel, and then their running backs kind of split up the carries, and there's no real offensive star, and they hold the Chiefs to 20 points, and Bosa does that. I, I think that's your MVP. All right. We need as much insight as you can possibly provide here. You cover the team radio you write about the team uh, you're down there when you can get there a pass press pass to practice to games not difficult you are as connected as it gets okay kyle madsen at kyle a madsen 95 7 the game in san francisco at the niners wire as well what color assuming the niners win what color will the gatorade be oh man you have to know somebody. To, I, Kyle, you have to have an in with somebody on the Niners' sidelines that either is going to be mixing that crap or know somebody that's going to be mixing that crap. I'm going to ask around, and if I can get any kind of definitive answer, I'll let you know. My guess is going to be orange, but that's just a, a guess based on uh, what first popped into my head. And I think I'm basing that off things I've seen or 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 heard, but I don't know. 
Uh, but now I'm definitely going to ask around. Okay, and if you can, try to find out this theory, because I can't remember who I spoke to about this. It, it was, I want to say, either a former player or somebody who worked in like the front office or on the sidelines. I, I can't remember where this was in my life, and I'm 41. My brain is shot, so pardon me with this. But I remember hearing that it's a pain in the ass. Like, it's a literal pain when you're back. I mean, it's a nonsensical task to f- remix Gatorade with like a quarter left in the game. So if the Niners, let's say, run out of Gatorade, and it's still like 15 minutes left of game time to play, they might just have water. It might just be because of how much of a pain in the ass it is to remix it and all that. Now, they run out at the half. That's a little different. So I I can't remember who it was who told me this thing based on some firsthand knowledge they had about just how much of a pain in the ass it is to mix this thing under pressure with like a quarter left. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever tried to mix just like a spoonful of Gatorade? Yes. It's kind of a pain. I imagine you, you dump it in a five like a five gallon bucket and you're trying to like stir it with a giant stick. Yeah, I'm out on that, man. If I was if I was the, the Gatorade person in charge of that, I'm absolutely telling them, Hey, dump water. Like here, have this bucket of water. I'm not mixing that stuff. I love you just gave me a Nahagan. I'm out on that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You've been hanging out with Matt too long. Kyle, thank yeah, you, sir. I him way too much. I send, right, send my regards. We'll chat soon. Thank you so much, as always. I sure will. See you, buddy. You got it. Kyle Madsen, at Kyle A. Madsen on Twitter. What are the odds Sixers up big in Toronto? You didn't see it. I didn't see it. We'll hit that next. Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance.